Hey guys, it's Jill. Jen and I wanted to give you a heads up about the content on today's episode. It may be triggering for more sensitive audiences. Refer to the show notes for more specifics. And take care while you listen. On this episode of Common Mystics, we say a final farewell to Atlantic City and pay homage to its history and haunts. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are common mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places. And today we have more voices from the ghosts of Atlantic City. You guys, there's just so much here. We just can't, we just couldn't leave without (laughs) at least going over some of the lesser known ghosts of the city. And these are fun stories too. I'm excited. I'm super excited. Tell us about the first one. The first ghost story involves the Steelman treasure. And this story already has smiles on our faces. This is (laughs) the best. Okay, tell me everything. So this was actually written about in a newspaper. It's true. The Sunday Gazette. October 21st, 1894, reported on this ghost sighting. That is insane. What did it say for itself? In October of 1894, Jill, there were men digging on Absecon Beach in Atlantic City. Were they looking for seashells? What what was happening? Ah, seashells. No, they were super organized and methodical. They did their research. They had a map and they were digging at night under the cloak of darkness so as not to be noticed. My goodness, what possibly could (laughs) they be looking for? They were looking for Steelman's treasure. Who is Steelman? And where is the man's treasure? As the story goes, in around 1846, a man named Steelman owned a lot of the land that would come to be Atlantic City. Back then, though, it was nothing much but some sand hills. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But Steelman, as it turns out, would become a rich man because he would sell over a thousand acres and make a whole big sum of money on that sale. Yeah, you would, because that location must have been breathtaking in the 1840s. It was about $3,600 that he made in 1845, which is the equivalent of over $140,000 today. Mm, Could have been more. That's not all. Steelman also recently had sold a schooner or one of his sailing ships for about $2,800, which is in today's money over $110,000. Okay, so this is adding up. Quarter of a million dollars. Dude had some cash, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, he was concerned that thieves were going to steal his money. Okay, why would he think that? There were people known as wreckers who were hanging out in a town about six miles away called Brigantine, and they frequently passed through the Atlantic City area, and they were known to look for valuables that would have been shipwrecked on the beach. Shut up. 
Yeah. So these people would regularly come by through Atlantic City looking for treasures. They're like old school ambulance chases, like waiting for a shipwreck so that they can profit off of it. That's what they were doing. Exactly. A hundred percent. So Steelman, because he was afraid of this, he decided to bury his money and he buried it in a wooden box deep under the sand. Okay. Like Steelman, invest, find a bank, do something. What are we doing? We're just putting it in a box and burying it in the sand. Yeah. Uh, He didn't have a wife. If he had a wife, she would have been like, honey, she would have taken control for sure. Because that's that's not a very good idea if they're already digging around in the sand. And then what if you needed to go buy cigarettes? You have to dig up your money so that you can get a couple coins out. That's so stupid. As it turns out, his fear of thieves was well-founded because three brigantine wreckers actually plotted to steal his money. Mm-mm-mm. They came to his one-story cabin, broke down the door, and after a struggle, the three of them killed Steelman with a fishing oar. Ugh. God, that sucks. And can you imagine the Steelman being like, I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The three wreckers searched for the treasure in vain, and they eventually gave up and never found the treasure and returned to Brigantine. And they were also never brought to justice for the murder of Steelman. So this poor guy is murdered, mm-hmm. and he even when they're beating him with a fishing oar, he's not telling where his treasure is because he right. spent all that time burying it. Right. And so... So that was the story from 1846 that brought these men to Absecon Beach in 1894, about 50 years later, looking for the treasure. Well, that makes sense. I would go digging. Right. So they were super organized. They had their maps. They had their research. They had their shovels. And they start digging and searching for Steelman's treasure. Well, it wasn't long before a ghost-like figure appeared to them, Jill. Mm -mm. And the ghost demanded to know why they were there and what they wanted. And one of the diggers replied that they were looking for Steelman's treasure. The ghost pointed to a spot on the ground before he disappeared. Okay. Okay. This seems like something out of Shakespeare, doesn't it? It really does. And it also, like, if the ghost came and showed me... I don't, I would be suspicious, right? Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't know. that. It's not like if mom came and she was like, Jilly, (laughs) dig there, then I would be like, I'm so on it. But like a stranger, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if I would, I don't know. Would you, would you be like, oh, where Mr. Stranger Ghost? Well, it seems like the men weren't completely on board with following the instructions of the ghost because okay. they hemmed and hawed, they they disagreed, and it, it took some convincing, but then they all agreed, okay, we're going to begin digging right where the ghost pointed. So it sounds like- I would like- love to heard that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so in no time, Jill, they struck wood. Oh my they God. They found- wood in the ground where the ghost had pointed and they pulled up a box i'm excited for them <laughs> they opened it and it was empty no oh, <laughs> that's completely so empty. do you remember when geraldo did this yes yes oh, yes yes that's embarrassing so, so the men were they were disappointed and they stood over the empty box and they were discussing what they were going to do next when suddenly they heard a rustling mm-mm And then a growling howl. Nope. And that's when a second apparition appeared. Now, 
one of the men whose name was Will Hand dropped his shovel and began running. Yes, he did, because that's what anyone would do. And he didn't stop running until he was (laughs) safe at home. However, he did report afterwards that as he fled, ghosts appeared on either side of him as he ran home. Okay, can I tell you, like, as a child, when I was running through the cemetery, I would run through it at night to get home, and I would look down the entire way, and I would envision, like, me running past ghosts. So I totally So you can relate to that. Yes. So there was another man. You know he was coming in hot. He was like, let me in. Another of the men, whose name was Osborne, went into shock when he saw the second apparition, and he just froze. He just froze. He couldn't move. He couldn't run. He just stood there frozen. And during that time, he reported that he saw 40 or more ghosts encircle Mm. him. Mm -mm. Ah, That's when he fell to his knees and screamed the Lord's (laughs) Prayer. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. That's legit. That is a legit response. Yes, he did. I believe that. Eventually, the ghost did disappear. After that, Stories circled around the island of the men's encounters. And people, well, they assumed that this must have been a trick. This Mm -hmm. must have been a trick. But the quote in the Sunday Gazette from October 21st, 1894 says, Quite a number are willing to swear on a stack of Bibles that real ghosts infest that portion of the island. So there you have it. That gives me goosebumps. Wow. I love that. That is awesome. Okay, I love that story so much, too. I 100% believe every word of it. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) They act the way you would expect scared men to act. Like they're doing what you and I would be doing. Screaming, running, (laughs) dropping to our knees and praying, like all of the above. Yes. The the, Our Father. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Is there any evidence that this really happened? You know, surprisingly, there is. Tell me. You did some awesome research on the origins of the land. And the title to a large part of the land on which Atlantic City is now located actually belonged to the Steelman family. Can you even believe that? No. That's amazing. It is amazing. James Steelman was the first Steelman in 1695. He lo- he bought large tracts of land. And in 1733, his will indicated that he disposed his valuable lands to his five sons. Mm. His firstborn son, Andrew, would own much of the land that is currently known as Epsecon Beach. And he had kids that he divided the land out to. He had sons. So this land was in the Steelman family from the 1600s. Yeah, up until the 1850s when Dr. John Pitney and his civil engineer friend Osborne began to develop the the area and turn it into what is currently Atlantic City. Well, that's crazy because the story is about like we estimate 50 years before and that's when they were developing the island. So that timeline completely checks. Yeah, it makes sense. 1846, right? Yes. Can I ask you a question? Sure. If we were digging at night on the island. Okay. And- never going to happen, but go ahead. 
Keep going. Yeah, especially nowadays. There's like the, the, the ghosts are the last thing we would have to worry about. I'd be like, ghost, no. point me the fuck out of here. Like, right. Like, is there a safe way off this island? <laughs> Mr. Steelman. But oh my, my question is, what would you do? Would you freeze or would you run? I'd like to say I'd run. But realistically speaking, I can't run very fast anymore. So I'd probably just freeze and start praying. Because there's, I'm not out running anything anymore. My running days are over. <laughs> what about you? I 100% would shit myself and just like curl up in a ball. And be like, I do believe oh in God. spooks. I do, I do, I do believe in spooks. Awesome story, Jill. This is a famous one, right? This is not a famous one. This oh. is a little known story. Oh, I love it. I love I it so much. I pulled this literally out of the newspaper. Let's talk about another one. Tell me about the next story that we found that is, it's a known haunted location, but these are lesser known events or lesser publicized events. Tell me about it. So the location is the Claridge Hotel. It's true. And it was, in its heyday, known as the most famous and by far the grandest of the Atlantic City hotels. It was 24 stories. And it was opened in 1930, during the Great Depression. Mm. It was known as the, quote, skyscraper by the sea because of its tall, slender physique. Those words were never meant to describe me, by the way. I'm so jealous, bitch. (laughs) It was the first and only hotel at the time to have running hot and cold water. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. And it also had running salt water, too, because salt water was apparently believed to have health-giving properties. That's interesting. That is interesting. Why don't they just <laughs> throw some salt in a cup? I mean, it would make margaritas better, oh, wouldn't it? Oh, my gosh. Imagine. Anyway, the Claridge Hotel was located between Park Place and Indiana Avenues. Hmm with an attached parking structure extending to Ohio Avenue. And it was set just off the boardwalk behind Brighton Park. Okay. So the Claridge is still around, Jill, right? It is. It had some very famous visitors. Who? Well, they include screen siren Marilyn Monroe. Wow. Grace Kelly of the Silver Screen, a.k.a. Princess Grace of Monaco. That's a big deal. Both of these... As well as famous baseball legend Mickey Mantle. That is pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Mm. So tell me about some of the experiences that people had at this hotel. So witnesses report being locked in a closet. That is not okay. By an unseen entity. Mm -mm. That is terrifying never cool to lock someone in a closet. I don't care if you're dead or not. You do not lock people in closets. And there's more. Also, apparently, the ghosts like to break different types of glass. So glass will just unexplicably break, like mirrors, windows, even glass cups. I have a theory about this. You do? This was like art deco. There was a lot of glass. There was a lot of glass. Instead of like ghosts of this hotel, like rattling chains, there wasn't a lot of chains. So they're just breaking the glass. I love it. That would be freaky AF, by the way. If glass just started to crack around you. That's crazy. And who's going to clean up that mess? Apparently, there is one particular ghost that's known to stalk 
the hallways of the hotel at night. Mm -mm. And it's believed to be that of a man who once threw himself from the 10th floor of the building as he jumped to his death. Mm -mm. Eek. Okay. There is a recent review (laughs) from about six months ago on Yelp. And this is funny because it's like just your average person who stays at a hotel and then reviews it on Yelp. And this person is like, yeah, the elevator's scary because it's old. And, you know, maybe maybe the glasses weren't as clean as they could be. And they also just put in here, don't press the M mezzanine button on the elevator because that level's definitely haunted. And then they just go on with their review. I love that so much. By the way, the bed could have been better. Do not go on level M, whatever the fuck that means. Shit haunted. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is so funny. And Mm. then there was there is a YouTuber out there and she talks about staying in Atlantic City at a particular hotel that we believe to be the Claridge. Based on her account, I did like the mapping and the footwork and I'm 100 percent sure we are talking about the same hotel. She specifically did not mention it, but we're going to go ahead and and say we think it's the Claridge. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to get sued. <laughs> she didn't want to get sued. We don't want to get we sued either, get, by the way. We don't want to get sued either, but we don't got nothing. <laughs> we don't <laughs> like, honestly. Okay, so this YouTuber went with her girlfriend to this hotel. They got a room. The first day in the room, she started to feel sick, inexplicably sick. What's interesting is that she thought it was because she was like traveling. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're fatigued. You're not feeling well. So she assumed it was her. Right. But she does mention that when she left the room and went to the beach and went to other restaurants, she felt completely normal. It was just when she went back into the room when she reported feeling that illness. That's so crazy. That's a that's a common thing, a common phenomenon, right? Really, that is true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, her girlfriend took a shower, and she said that while she was in the shower, she just had the feeling like something or someone was watching her the whole time mm. she was in the bathroom alone. Creepy. Yeah. Have you felt that way at hotels? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. I have certain yeah. hotels for sure. Then she got out of the shower. And you know that condensation on the mirror? Like that, the steam? Yes, can can show like something that someone had written on the mirror, on the glass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She got out of the shower. She saw, written in the condensation, the words, I love you. She came into the bedroom and she was all, aw, you love me, you know? That's so sweet. That's so sweet for you to write me that message. And the YouTuber looked at her and was like, I've been on the bed the whole time. (laughs) I mean, she could have just taken credit for it, but Mm -hmm. I like that she was honest and a little confused. Like, um, so that's creepy. That is 100% creepy. There's more. Tell me. Oh, okay. First of all, I'm already out of this room. Like, there is no way that I would sit and try to rationalize. I would just be like, oh, so we need to leave quickly. That's (laughs) what I'm feeling. Right. (laughs) Please continue. You know how in sometimes old-time historic hotels will have vintage or antique photographs on mm-hmm. the walls inside your room, you know, to make it feel, cool. yeah, like it's in period, you know what I'm saying? I love that. There are old black and white images on the walls in their room, and they were feeling 
they were feeling that they were being watched, but not only watched, they were like being judged. Like there was <laughs> hatred coming from these pictures so much that the, they went over to them and were like looking at them like, what are you? And was like talking to them like that's the type of energy that was being exuded from from these pictures. Think about us at um, Mrs. Stocks Park looking at the pictures in yes. the marquee and feeling like yes. they were like, who are you? Right. That is exactly what this woman was feeling. Yes. And that's how we work a lot of times when we are reading people who have passed by looking at pictures of them. And this is just so cool and so crazy that without trying to be psychic, they were picking up on these feelings of these dead people. What's interesting and that we should note is that the YouTuber is African-American. And she said, which is funny, but like funny, haha, but also funny, like, oh, that's creepy. Is she's like, these dead white people are racist as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like you can totally see that like they're, they're you know what I mean like her feeling uncomfortable like they're watching her they're glaring right. and she's like looking at their pictures being like y'all racist as fucking hell like That's seriously funny. that is I mean funny. it's not funny but it is like it's, wow. it's funny but it's not yeah yeah oh my gosh not okay to be dead and racist not okay to be alive and racist we do not like that is there evidence to suggest that anything happened on this property that would create so much activity, like from random people? So much. We're going to start just recently in 2021. 2021? 2021. There was a man who jumped from one of the highest floors of the Claridge Hotel. Police say he jumped to his death before 4 p.m. on a Tuesday and he landed right in front of the building, and there he died. No explanation, no note, no nothing. That's creepy. All right, so 2008. Okay, again, pretty recent. Pretty recent. A Myrtle Beach, South Carolina couple had been vacationing at the Claridge Hotel. Mm-hmm. The man was asleep while his wife was relaxing in the hot tub of their suite on the 24th floor. Which is like the top floor. So that they're like in a, a nice, expensive, luxurious suite. Yeah, they are. Nice. Penthouse. After his nap, the man walked into the bathroom and found his wife dead in the tub from apparently an accidental drowning. Ugh. That's really odd. That is 100% That's really odd. Super odd. For an adult to drown in a bathtub or in maybe a Maybe she tub. was like really petite and maybe got faint. Unless alcohol or drugs are involved. That's the one time that you do see that happening. But that's true. That's really chilling. Anyway. Literally, Chad and I, when we take our Valentine's Day outing, yeah. I drink in the hot tub. Like in my room, we have a private like jet tub. And do you have a hard time with that? No, I'm a pro. It makes me lightheaded. I can't do it. <laughs> I would not recommend it. Please, people no, do not do drink it. in the hot tub. But I'm just telling you, like, I can see that happening. Oh, totally. I could see it happening, too. All right. Then in 1996, there were two elderly women. <sighs> this is so bad. Who were in a fourth floor parking garage at the Claridge Hotel. And they drove right through the concrete and steel wall and plunged 44 feet to their death. You would be so mad at me. Yeah, I would. <laughs> You'd be like, and what are you doing? Police never found out what caused that accident. Oh, my God. 
you got to want it to get through concrete and steel. And you have to be like full, full force. Holy crap. All right. So that happened. I'm hoping that it wasn't intentional and she had like a medical emergency or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is that what you're hoping? <laughs> it just makes me so sad. As opposed to her trying to kill the two of them. I yes. know. It was. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. October 1966. This one creeps me out for a lot of reasons. Okay. 1966, there was a 49-year-old elevator operator. Okay. Okay. The, in the fancy hotels, the the little guys, they yeah. press the... Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, uh-huh. so They his have name- the buttons, they open and close the gates and... Yeah. Exactly. Alphonse Cosi. He was 49 years old. He was the elevator operator. He was on the elevator with two, quote unquote, houseboys, which I can only imagine are like boys that run errands in the hotel. Yeah. Okay. And the boys were on the elevator because they were delivering a card table to the 10th floor. Yes. Now, there was a problem with the elevator. It didn't respond to the stop button and instead was stopped kind of like with an emergency type lever. Mm -hmm. But it stopped between the two floors, between the 9th and the 10th floors. Now, they're stuck in this elevator. It's between the two floors, the 9th and the 10th. And there's about a foot and a half gap where you could lower yourself out. And that's what one of the boys did. He lowered himself out and swung onto the ninth floor through this one and a half foot gap. I am like holding my breath. This is so now. The other boy was also able to get out through that gap onto the ninth floor. 49-year-old Alphonse tried to do the same thing. And he was backing himself slowly, the way you or I would. I 100%. We're not like a boy who would jump out of a hole. Yeah. I'm not Tarzaning it over to the ninth floor. I am like, scoot, 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 scoot. So he's holding on to the floor of the elevator car, backing himself out slowly when he loses hold of the elevator floor and drops down the elevator shaft. Oh, God. His body was found at the bottom of the elevator shaft, almost severed. That poor man. And as recently as what, 2006, that woman was like, the elevators suck. Like, no kidding. kidding. Like, the whole history of this hotel has bad elevators. I feel so bad for Alphonse for obvious reasons, but also because I would have been doing what he was doing. 100%. I would have been too impatient to wait for them to fix the elevator, and I wouldn't be, like, aggressively trying to get out of there. I'd be trying to ease myself. I'd go right down the shaft, too. Mm-hmm. 100%. Oh, my I, God. And think about a 1966 elevator. It must have been hot. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to want to stay there. And you just saw these two kids go. I would totally do what he did. Ay, ay, ay. Poor guy. Poor guy. Is there anything else you want to tell me about this hotel? Yes. Oh. (laughs) Do you want to do this one? No, no. Tell me. Tell me. In 1931, the New York Times reported that 64-year-old John Call of Birmingham, Alabama, was killed in a plunge from the 14-story window of the Claridge Hotel in view of 100 people who were on the boardwalk that day. He was there staying with his wife and daughter. He had not been feeling well. He took some medicine. His wife and daughter left him alone. And the next thing they know, he had jumped out the window. And Jill, this happened six months after the hotel's grand opening. That is absolutely bonkers. 
So shit's been happening at the Claridge from pretty much the time it opened until like now. Okay. So there you have it. I'm saying if you want to roll the dice, okay, let's just be realistic. If you're going to roll the dice and you're going to Atlantic City anyway, right? And you want to find some ghosts, stay at the Claridge. Claridge. Stop by the mezzanine. Like we're talking 24th floor, 14th floor. Unless you want to stay at this next hotel. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) All right. right. All right. This one, this one's deep. (laughs) Tell me. How could it be worse? This one has such a deep history. I'm going to be honest with you. As soon as you saw this hotel, you were like, you were smacked in the face. This hotel stopped me on the streets (laughs) of Atlantic City. It did. I was walking. we, We were walking down the street and I stopped and I looked up and I was like, holy shit. Mm hmm. That has as much energy as a living person. Like, like she is not lying. It was like it was looking at me. You know how like when you can feel someone looking at you? It's mm-hmm. like the building was looking at. I could feel it. Yeah. It was crazy. And this is called the Resorts Hotel and Casino. <sighs> Tell me about it. The history of the resorts is so crazy because the original land was part of this larger estate, essentially, that had two Quaker rooming houses from the 1860s. Okay. And to put it in perspective, Steelman like literally just died like maybe 12 years ago. Right, right. 12, 14 years ago. They were rooming houses, but they could accommodate like over 100 guests. So they were like, a lot of people were staying there, okay? Mm -hmm. Then in the late 1800s, investors bought the two hotels that grew up on this site. One was the Chalfont house and the other was the Haddon house. And they built these two old Quaker hotels into modern eight-story million-dollar buildings. It was mammoth. This hotel went from the boardwalk to the street. It was an entire block. Literally an entire block. They had bought two different buildings and then they built in the middle to combine them. Right. It was like a complex. Right. It was exactly a complex. It was called the Shelfont Haddon Hall Complex. It had a thousand rooms. And at the time of its completion in the 1920s, it was the city's largest hotel by capacity. That would suck to work there. Being like, for real. Now, when World War II hit, it served a different function altogether. What did it what did it do? Well, the US military requisitioned it and created a hospital. They were doing that all over Atlantic City at the time. About 40 other local hotels were also taken over by the military to turn into hospitals for wounded soldiers. Well, that's kind of nice. What a great place if you were injured at war to like recover like in Atlantic City in its heyday, like right off the boardwalk. That would have been pretty cool. I guess. Yeah. If you had to recuperate somewhere. Then in the late 1970s, that whole complex, the Chelfont Haddon Hall complex, was converted into the Resorts International Hotel. And it was such a big deal. There were massive lines outside to get in, like, all the time. What's crazy about this is that the Resorts International was the first place in Atlantic City to gamble. 
Oh. So that's why there are lines, because they're like, oh, yeah, there's slots machines. We're going to play roulette. We're going to play 21. That's like the first casino in Atlantic City. Wow. And then in 1980, the Chalfont Hotel building, which was part of this huge complex, was finally demolished to make Mm. room for a parking lot. So if you imagine there's so much property right now in Atlantic City that used to be a part of this hotel complex. Exactly. And only one small part of it is now left that is known as the Resorts Hotel. But that whole area was all part of this complex. That's fascinating. What's interesting in relation to us is that we were walking on the boardwalk and where we exited the boardwalk was exactly where that building stood, where those buildings stood that were demolished. So like where the strip club was from the, if you listen to our detours, like that was part of this hospital. That was part of this complex. And the fact that as we were walking towards the street, we were feeling very uneasy in different ways. And we were kind of the spell of Atlantic City was dissipating. And we were starting to feel scared. Yeah, (laughs) scared. But also danger. (laughs) We were also feeling like there are ghosts all around us. Like there's a ghost here. There's a ghost here. Yeah. And then this building like stopped you in its tracks. Uh You already we already walked like the length. We were already in its shadow. We were already in its footprint. Wow. That kind of gives me the chills. Yeah, because soldiers were dying all around the areas where we were walking. Mm -hmm. Wow. Not only that, but it felt like we were in its shadow. Yes. And it it knew it. Like we were, it's almost like we were walking on its skirt. Does that make sense? Like we were kind of like in its in its play area, and then here we were. The building is gone, but the energy is still there, and that's what we were walking through. So true. Kind of creepy. Okay. Okay. Who else experienced some unsettling... Oh, besides us? Yeah. So according to U.S. ghost adventurers, the hauntings at the hotel date back to 1903, when the Shelfont and the Haddon were first merged into one enormous complex. This is another one, like from the the very existence, has been reported as haunted. And from that time, the earliest reports are more of like cold pockets, you know, like... Mm. Classic ghost haunting. Classic, yes. Classic Mm -hmm. haunting. Haunting uh, residue (laughs) (laughs) or evidence. Horobuzz.com reported in 2021 that during World War II, when the hotel was functioning as a hospital, there was an airman who died while staying here that is apparently still seen sometimes roaming the modern hotel hallways to this day. I can totally see that. I know. I was just going to say, I believe it. Like, I'm not, I don't need proof. I don't need, like, that. that is happening. Right. And again, here's a review on TripAdvisor. Literally, it's my favorite thing, Jennifer, going to these, like, these Yelp reviews and the TripAdvisors to hear, like, no, 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 place <laughs> no, is no, haunted. it's haunted. <laughs> okay, so this person, Lady T, writes that she was staying in the Ocean Tower section of the hotel. Now, just to give you a little background, Ocean Tower is obviously one of the older parts. It was built in 1927. 
And it is the home to the main casino floor, the spa, the pool, and the main retail and dining levels. Okay. Got it. And Got a 350 seat theater. Sounds very Vegasy. Done. It, it does. It does. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like so that's that. where she stayed. She says that she stayed in the Ocean Towers and the whole time it felt like someone or something was in the room with them. The whole time. They kept hearing bumping and the door would shake. Oh, no. The door would shake. Then they'd go out, like open the door and look, and there'd be nobody there. There'd be nobody outside their room, but the door would shake. It's not okay. Uh-huh. She also mentions that the sixth floor hallway felt like somebody died there. Jesus. Again, I, be- I believe it. I totally believe it. But I, my question is, why are you roaming this built? Like, I... I would be gone. I would be like on my way to Philadelphia. I would be like to New York City. I would not be staying at this hotel. No offense. No offense, resorts. There was a former employee that was reported to have said that some of the employees would take their smoke breaks in the basement of the building. Sure. Why not? And he just reported that it felt haunted and creepy in the basement, specifically in the basement. Literally, Jen, I totally get that because it felt haunted and creepy when we were on the street. It did. You literally, you are so funny. You like looked at that building and had a whole narrative of all the spirits coming and talking to you. You were like, and this happened and this happened. And I was like, holy fuck. I was like, is she possessed by the building? It was crazy. Let's talk about the evidence. Is there evidence? Tell me everything. I already mentioned that during World War II, that building, the Shelfont Haddon Hall complex was a hospital. Yes. What I didn't mention was that from 1942 until 1946, for those four years, it was operated as a hospital the entire time. And many died from illnesses and infection from the war. I'm sh- I'm sure. The morgue was located on the 12th floor of the building and bodies were stored for transportation in the basement because it was cold there. Yeah, I don't I don't I this there's something wrong with this building. <laughs> I don't like even saying like the morgue was on the 12th floor that seems weird to me. The bodies in the basement, of course there's bodies in the basement. Of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this building legitimately has an energy to it that is just it's like yeah, no. Yeah, I can totally like I don't oh need God. evidence. Like no, you're haunted. No, I I believe all of this. After walking the streets, I have no no question. This is all true. All true. (laughs) This is nonfiction, folks. If you want to experience creepy, scary ghosts and hauntings and buildings that like will stop you in your tracks, it's all in Atlantic City, dude. It's all in Atlantic City and it's everywhere you look. You cannot walk an inch of that land without feeling the presence of not just spirits. Like, because we've felt spirits before in like... In Tombstone, Arizona, in McGraw, New York. These are spirits, active spirits that are actively not at rest. These are ghosts. That are living out and playing out impressions from previous times. And that's the whole vibe of Atlantic City. It's like your heart is stuck in the past and loving what it was. Yes. That reminds me of my impression of Atlantic City. I love this. If Atlantic City was a character, I think it would be the character of Norma Desmond of Sunset Boulevard or Baby Jane from whatever happened to Baby Jane. 
Now tell me what those characters are for those uh, millennials who are listening. Yeah. Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard is this aging actress who used to be huge, this huge star, and at the time of the movie is now pretty much an old recluse who is just living by herself hanging on to her glory days. And then in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, the character of Baby Jane, who is Betty Davis's character, was a very famous child star who never reached those same heights. And so as an elderly woman, she still dresses like a child and sings nursery songs because she's trying to hold on to her heyday that was so many years before that she lost. It's just so, so sad and just kind of beautiful, too. It's such a great metaphor for Atlantic City and why it hurts so much to and why it's so impactful because you want you want it to be as great as it was yes you can almost see its glory yes you look at these old structures you can see its glory of the past yeah and that's why this is our fourth atlantic city episode (laughs) (laughs) but really it is it is a fabulous place i'm afraid of it now i don't know if i would visit again but i'm i wish I wish I if I can time travel, like, you know how we play that game? Like, where would you be if you could yeah. go anywhere? Would you go to Atlantic City? I would. In the 20s? I absolutely would. I absolutely would. I would love to visit the Claridge Hotel mm. in the 1920s. Mm-mm. All right. So you want to tell the people where they can find us? You guys, you know the drill. Find us on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Common Mystics Pod. You can check out our website, commonmystics.net. Listen in wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast. But if you happen to be on Apple, please leave us a positive review and subscribe. It helps other people find us. Thank you, guys. Good night. Good night. Good night.